0: Hey, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week we're looking at Parsha Vayera, which is full of stories about Avraham and Sarah as they continue on their journey building a family and and continuing to to represent God and, and to carry out God's mission. And as part of that they're both informed in this week's parsha by God that they will have children that they that meaning not just that Abraham will have a child but that Sarah specifically will carry a child for both of them. Now they hear roughly the same news but God reacts to their reactions in very different ways. And so what I wanted to look at today is what happens when they hear the news? What kind of reactions do they have? And why does God react differently? So Avraham is told first. God says, God changes God, that Sarah's name from Sarai to Sarah, and says that God will bless her by giving Avraham a son through her. Now, what is, how does Avraham react? Vayipol so Abraham apanav So Avraham threw himself on his face and he laughed. And then he said, beli bo, in his heart, can a child be born to a man a hundred years old? Or can Sarah bear a child at 90? And so it seems like that's what he thinks to himself. And then what he says out loud is, lu Ishmael oh, the Ishmael might live by your favor. And then God says, yes, but don't worry, Sarah will still actually bear a son for you and you will call his name Yitzchak. Okay, that's the interaction with God and Avraham. Now we move to Sarah. Now, Sarah is actually not told by God, but by an angel. And it's not clear if she knows that this is an angel of God or if she just thinks it's a random person. But when they are visiting Avraham, they say, Where's your wife, Sarah? And he says, Oh, she's there in the tent. And then one of the angels says, Okay, I'm going to return next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. And then we're told that Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent. And then Avraham and, and Sarah were very old in <clears throat> years, and Sarah had stopped getting her period. And so then the verse tells us all of that combined, this person there, Sarah's overhearing it and she's old and no longer gets her period. So what's what's her reaction? That Sarah laughed to herself. We'll talk about the word kirba. That's what we're going to focus on today. Saying, now that I am withered, am I to have enjoyment with my husband so old? Now, that itself is a very interesting statement that we're not going to get into today exactly, but she seems to be expressing doubt through her laughter that this is at all going to be possible. Then God, whereas with, with Avraham, he also, he, flums, he threw himself down on his face, but he laughed, that same word. And then God doesn't really address that laughter. Sarah also laughs. Sarah and instead god here does address that laughter so right after sarah lost herself and says now that i'm withered how am i how can this be possible um god says to avraham lama Sarah? why did sarah laugh and then god says davar. is anything too wondrous for god i will return to you at the same season next year and sarah will have a son and then in the next verse, we're told that Sarah lied. Right? She like denied it. Lay more. Lo she said I did not laugh because yareya? She was frightened. She was scared. Right? She's being accused of laughter by God, and she's trying to deny it because clearly that was not the right reaction for her to have. And then God replies, Lo kitzachakt. But you did laugh. And then that seems to conclude the scene. So first of all, it's a strange scene from that perspective that God's like calling her out on it, but not actually offering any consequences for that. Um, but it does leave us with a very big question of God seems to be upset that Sarah left and not upset that Abraham left. So what is the difference here? Why is it that they get two different reactions now? there are different ways that we can explain it one is to be more frank about it and to say well this is sort of uh you know a a, a torah is treating men and women by different standards and giving abraham the benefit of the doubt by saying well his laughter maybe was was joyous or more benign whereas sarah's was more egregious and was darker uh sort of a, a classic more sexist way of thinking about it that sarah was extra discriminated against um because she's a woman Another um, is suggests that perhaps what Sarah did was more egregious because, and you have to read into this, that Avraham did tell Sarah what God had told him, because Abraham is, is receives the message first. So some argue, well, Avraham clearly would have told Sarah what God had told him. And so here, what Sarah is doing is expressing doubt a second time, because she's already been told, and she should have faith. This isn't the first time they're arguing that she heard it. And so, what she's saying here is she still doesn't believe it. So that requires reading into the text that Abraham told Sarah when it's not clear that he did. So those are just two many of the many ways that we can explain this. And what I wanted to look at was a third explanation, um, which is something that I've been thinking about that requires looking at the focusing on the word bekirba. And I want to suggest that through that word, we can arrive at the conclusion that Sarah's reaction was indeed worse than Avraham. Now, when Sarah reacts this reaction, she laughs, Bekirba. Um, <clears throat> I think it's translated as to herself. But really, it means Bekarev, like it, it's sort of internally. Now, there's another time that a woman feels something, Bekirba, and that's going to be in chapter 25 of Breshi with Rifka. Rivka is now pregnant with twins. And then the Torah tells us, The children struggled in her womb. And it leads her to offer this existential question. She says, if so, why do I exist? So she went to inquire of the Lord. So, so Rifka can tell something is not quite right. She feels Bekirba in her womb, in her inside. Something in her says something is not quite right here. And so she goes to ask of God. And what does God tell her? God says, Two nations are in your womb. Two separate peoples shall issue from your body. One people shall be mightier than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So, in effect, God is saying, yeah, something is wrong. You've got two nations in your room and they're always going to be at odds with each other. That must have been devastating for Rivka to hear. On the one hand, she's wanted a healthy pregnancy for so long and thank God she has it. But now she's being told, well, yeah, it's, it's this is going to be a rough dynamic. This is going to be a really difficult dynamic at home. And also, Ravya Avod Sa'ir, the older one, will serve the younger one. And what she does with this information is take it home. It doesn't seem that she necessarily ever tells Yitzchak about it. And she chooses to act on this information and together with Yitzchak, who unknowingly does this, they create a horribly toxic dynamic in their family by having Yitzchak favor Esav and Rivka favor Yaakov, which gets to the point where she helps Yaakov steal the blessing from Esav, et cetera, right? All of the toxic family dynamics that we know so well can in large part be traced back to this very moment when she's still pregnant with them, feels something bakir bah, feels that something's wrong, has God sort of confirmed with her that, yeah, this is going to be challenging? And then she chooses to just accept that information and then act on it to manipulate situations in order to keep Yaakov ahead. And in doing so, by the way, not only does she, yes, she succeeds in keeping Yaakov ahead in many ways, he gets the bracha. But part of that is that it tears their family apart. Yaakov and Esav. Once Yaakov steals the bracha from Esav, they can never—they're never able to occupy the same space again. Yaakov has to flee. It's—it's it's a terrible thing. It's a huge sacrifice of a happy family that was made in order to achieve this long-term goal. And when thinking about this word bekirba associated with Rivka, I really do see a connection between what happens with Rivka and what happens with Sarah. Sarah laughs bekirba. When she hears the man, the angel say, "Your wife Sarah is going to have a baby," so I want. Let's look now at laughter throughout the rest of the parsha. When Sarah does indeed get pregnant, um, she names Yitzchak for that very laughter when he is born. Sarah, Elokim, right? God brought me laughter. Kol hashomea li, everyone who hears will laugh with me. And here it seems like maybe Sarah has actually redeemed that laughter. The negative, doubtful laughter that she laughed Bakir Ba when she first heard the news has now been transformed into a joyous laughter. But it's not the end of laughter in this parsha, because just three psukim later, V'atera Sarah et ben hagar ha asher Da Abraham, mitzachik. Sarah saw the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Avraham, mitzachek. JPS translates it as playing. It's a very, very difficult word to translate because we don't know exactly what's going on. And this is the only piece of information that we're offered. But what's important here is Sarah's reaction. She says to Avraham, garish, cast out, get rid of that slave woman and her son. Why? for the son of that slave shall not share in the inheritance Im Im with my son, with Isaac. So Sarah says to Avraham, that boy is being he's playing, and kick him out. Why? Because he is not gonna have a part in my family with my son. And Abraham's reaction is to become very distressed, but he does it. And in theory, now Sarah should be happy. She's gotten what she wants. She has a biological child for herself and Ishmael and Hagar are out of the picture. But the Torah is very telling. It shares that actually, this really wasn't a happy ending. Why? Because we never see Avram, Sarah, and Yitzchak as a family unit again. After this, we have a brief story with Avimelech, the Akedah, which is the, the classic story that rips apart whatever's ever left of that family. And then immediately after, Sarah dies. Sarah's reaction to laughter, to that weird, mysterious word in the Torah, led to the dissolution of her family, much like Rivko's reaction to what she felt, Bekir ba, led to the dissolution of her own. And I think that that's how we can see Sarah and Abraham's laughter as being different in this Parsha. Avraham laughed, but belly Bo, it was in his heart, the laughter was rooted in a place of, of joy, a more innocent place, a place of happiness. Sara's laughter was rooted in a place of negativity, Bakir bah, of doubt, of seeing the worst and allowing it to then become that reality. Because really, that's what happened both with Sarah and Rivka. Rivka gets this message about the, the, the boy struggling in her womb, Bakir Bah, and She gets the message that they're going to be different, they're always going to be at odds with each other. And she doesn't make any attempt to try to ease that message, nothing. She just goes along with it, makes things happen to ensure that Yaakov gets his way and that Yaakov is able to become the inheritor and the lead, even though he is the younger child. Sarah also looks at Yishmael being mitzachek. that same word that she felt, Bekirbah, and also assumes the worst and says, this boy cannot be with my son. And both of these women, by getting a kind of a, a message or seeing some sense of negativity, then carry it out and actually help that worst possible scenario happen. Then they, the children have to be split up and the family really ceases to exist. And I think that for me, I'm thinking a lot about this, especially this week, as we're currently, I'm recording this on Thursday morning, we're living in truly a nation divided, as everyone is talking about. And many of us have the reaction to look at the numbers coming in and to think about how we have a a fairly close race between two opposing forces in our country. And they look at that and we and we look at it and we see, well, that means that we are a nation divided. This is terrible. This is only going to lead to bad things. I don't know what to do next. And that fear is understandable. And I'm not here as a politician. I'm just here to serve a message that I think that we can take from the parsha of Sara's laughter bekir ba, just like Rivka's feeling bekir ba. That when you feel something and you act on the worst possible element of it without any sign of hope, without any desire to diffuse tension, then yeah, the worst will come true. But that's not the only way that it has to be there's also room for us to be able to see the possibility for mediation for conversation for making room for multiple different voices in a room and that is only when we can things that can begin to look a little bit different than the worst case scenario and so we don't know how things will unfold but i caution us not to necessarily just find ourselves dwelling in the place of the worst possible outcome and to god willing all pray that there is hope for a better future shabbat shalom